Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Freire and Smith podcast. Bowl season officially kicks off in just three days when App State, Georgia Southern, and Louisiana take the field. It'll be the start of a banner bowl season that will see 12 Sunbelt teams participate. Old Dominion and Marshall will participate this coming week, and we're excited to talk about their matchups. But before we do, we wanted to tell you about Monday's episode. Caden and I took a deep dive into this Saturday's Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl, plus App State quarterback and Sunbelt newcomer of the year, Joey Aguilar, joined us to discuss his team season and their bowl preparations. If you missed it, go back and give it a listen. Today on episode 161 of the show, we're excited to talk about our third set of bowl games as we continue our bowl season preview series. We're discussing the famous toastery and Scooter's Coffee Frisco Bowl on today's show. We'll dissect each of the matchups and review the top storylines ahead of the game. Plus, Old Dominion Center Xavier Black will join us shortly to talk about the Monarch Showdown with Western Kentucky. Caden, when you look at these two teams, they, in both of these bold games, rather, they enter with vastly different expectations this year. You've got an Old Dominion team that was considered a long shot to go bowling, while a Marshall team that was considered an early title favorite, maybe a trendy pick there. What opportunity do these bowl games present for these two programs, given the years that they've had? Yeah, I said on a previous preview note, there's a lot of six and six teams in this conference and not every six and six is created equally. And I think these two teams that we're talking about on this preview are prime examples of it. You look at this old Dominion team overachieving getting to six wins compared to the standards that everyone had publicly on their perception of what they were going to do in this season. And the fact that they're not only making this bowl game, but the way they were able to make it by winning two straight games to end the season in matchups they weren't necessarily favored in really just says a lot to this team their effort, their strength, what they've been able to show mentally and physically this year. And just them capping this off with a bowl game and breaking or a bowl win rather and breaking that six and six and turning it to a seven and six would be tremendous for this program. And I think when you look on the other side for Marshall, they have opportunity to also get to that seven and six mark, but kind of show some semblance and show some sign of life heading into next season for them. I think this bowl game for Marshall specifically, when you just look at the state of the program, the expectations they didn't necessarily meet this season and them having some turnover right now as far as coaching in the transfer portal as well them getting a bowl game win in this matchup would just speak more to I think the future and next season and give more promise and more some more life to this team heading into the offseason that I think is much needed when you look at the end of the year so I think very interesting that we have two six and six teams that have similar opportunities as far as bowl games and what they were able to accomplish and get to this year but just completely different states and standards as far as what they're able to do and what a win means specifically specifically in this bowl matchups for these two squads. Hey, certainly no denying the importance of this game for both of these programs. Well, like we promised, Old Dominion's Xavier Black is here. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from one of the top offensive linemen in the Sun Belt. Well, we are excited to be joined by Old Dominion Center Xavier Black on the Farian Smith podcast. Xavier, you're just the second ever offensive lineman. That has to feel good, right? Oh, yeah, it feels great. Thanks for having me. Well, let's jump in, and as I mentioned, the second offensive lineman to come on the show, we had Troy's Austin Stidham on last year. What I need from you is your best sales pitch. Why should we have more offensive linemen on this on this podcast? Uh, we're team guys. You know, we're selfless people. We, we don't care much about ourselves. We care about the success of the team. You know what I mean? So we're going to do whatever it takes to make you all successful. So we're going to be selfless, and I'm, I'm going to do my best to make this podcast the best that it can be. 
Well, I certainly would not have any issues with uh, you run blocking for us. So uh, if, that, if it ever comes down to that, we're calling you. That sounds good to me. Xavier, I think Austin told us before that he thinks the offensive linemen are the best-looking group on most football teams as well. So we'll, 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 let, we'll let the fans settle that one in another conversation. But, Xavier, a lot of people might not know this about you, but you're a former walk-on. You were nominated this year for the Bullsworth Trophy, honoring college football's best player that began their career as a walk-on. We've seen guys like Troy's Carlton Marshall, Jamie's James Carpenter be named finalists in the last two seasons as well. Could you maybe speak about your walk-on journey and kind of what that taught you at Old Dominion? Oh yeah, it was uh it was a tough process obviously. Um coming from being a walk on, it's just you got to earn everything that you get and that's just the way I was raised. I was born and uh raised by two great parents that told taught me that hard work and like that's that's what you're going to get, like what you put in is what you're going to get. So that's that's pretty much how the walk on experience was for me. Um I had great coaches, uh coach Ronnie, he's a great coach. He treats everyone the same. So uh he gives you everybody equal opportunities. And if you can prove yourself, you're going to you're going to play and you're going to earn that scholarship. So it's been great here at Old Dominion, earned that scholarship. Um, my family all went here. So it was a dream come true for me to play football here and represent this university. Now, what would be your message to other players that are maybe considering that? Is there, you know, coming out of high school? Why would your what would be your suggestion to a player like that? Uh, my suggestion would be to go with your heart. If you really love this game and you're willing to put in the time, put in the effort, put in the work that it's going to take, then go for it. Like, just just go all in. Because if you have any regrets, then you're going to leave a little bit out there. And you can't do that with this with this uh, profession. So you got you to gotta just do what you got to do. Go with your heart. Go with wh- how you feel and just be all in and don't have any regrets about it. Well, I think that not only is that a great message for the sport of football, but really just in life in general – Let's talk about this Old Dominion team because, in our opinion, Xavier, you guys have been one of the best stories in the Sun Belt this year. This is a team that many in the media had as a, a three to four win football team before the season. You guys were picked last in the Sun Belt East, and almost no one projected you guys as a team that was going to play in a bowl game. How did you guys use that, you know, the, the preseason slights as, as fuel in the locker room this year? Oh, yeah, we definitely saw everything that was going on, but, uh, Coach Ronnie doesn't really he doesn't really let us get too caught up in the media stuff, if that makes sense. Like we don't like we're not all on social media all the time. Like we're we're going to stay off our phones and we're just going to trust what we do, you know. And um, I knew going into the season that we had a great group of guys, a great team. And I knew that all the projections, none of that was going to was going to come to fruition because we were going to work and we worked as hard as anybody could this summer. And I knew the work that we put in was going to pay off. So I had no doubt about it, but obviously, I mean, the preseason polls are what they are. They're just, I mean, they're predictions and nobody knows what's going to happen, but if you work hard enough and like I, like I said, I, I trusted that this team was going to get the job done. Yeah, y'all definitely proved it for sure. I think there's no question that every team that y'all face knows that they got your best shot. Y'all gave everyone a run for their money, win or loss. And it was just definitely great to watch y'all prove us and everybody wrong this season, but one of the big changes in the off season as well was y'all hiring offensive coordinator, Kevin Decker, his scheme was been challenging for opponents all year. We've talked a lot on this podcast about just its ability to get your running back, some light boxes, your receivers, some one-on-one matchups with the spacing, but haven't really got to talk about the offensive line perspective of that. Could you maybe talk about what the challenge was as far as the offensive lineman having to learn a new scheme and what that learning curve looked like for you and your other four guys up front this year? 
Yeah, definitely. It's been, I mean, every, every offense is going to be different, but um, like I said before, uh, I think I said it in fall camp, you can only complicate, you can only complicate football so much. It's 11 on 11 at the end of the day. And if you win your one-on-ones and you like you man on man blocks and stuff like that, you're going to have success. So that's just what we uh, preached all year was, yeah, it's a different offense, but you can't complicate football so much. You can have different schemes, but at the end of the day, it's, it's 11 on 11. So I think that's what uh, that's what we did this season. Obviously, we still have growth to go, and we've been working with these extra practices we've been getting. It's been helping a lot. So um, I'm excited for the future. And I would take it, you know, from what you just said, you and you and the big guys up front, you guys enjoyed this new scheme this year. Oh, yeah, definitely. We were able to go fast. We It felt more free. Um, we, we were able to just, you know, be us. I felt like that was just what we wanted to be. So it's been great getting to know that. And it's been great getting to know the new offense coordinator, Coach Decker. He's been amazing. He's got a great confidence about him, and he just oozes out uh, belief, and he believes in everybody on this team, and that, that just helps us even more. Yeah, I think that's that's uh, an important element of what a coach can bring to a football team. Let's talk Grant Wilson because he's been the guy at quarterback for most of the year this year. Jack Shields did, did make a couple of starts in late September, but – after that, it feels like Grant has been on a mission. Speak on how you've seen him mature and grow as this season has progressed. Oh, yeah, Grant's been great. I mean, he's not only grown into a great football player, but he's grown into a great friend of mine. I mean, we've gotten really close over this season, and uh, it's been amazing to see the growth. Obviously, I knew coming in to the summer and to camp that he had a really strong arm. He had all the talent in the world, but I didn't know, like, like obviously with a new quarterback and the new offensive line kind of, it's kind of like you got to gel a little bit. So I feel like he did a great job of coming in, commanding, commanding a bunch of guys and just in taking the helm. So it's been really good having him around. And I'm, I'm really happy that he decided to uh, come here. And I mean, it, it's just been great. And especially as having him as a friend off the field is even better. I mean, he's a great guy. Um, he works really hard and he does he does all the right things. So it's it's been great having him around. Well, and it seems like he has a flair for the dramatic. I mean, he's made some really big plays late in football games for you guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy how, how many close games we've had. Um, my blood pressure has been through the roof. Um, <laughs> and there's, there's just been, especially the last two games uh, that we had, um, we, our backs were against the wall. We knew we had to pull them out. And uh, Grant came up with some huge plays. And, I mean, I loved them up for both of them. I mean, they were just – they were great plays. Um, everybody did their jobs in those plays. So, I mean, it was, it was I, I would like a, a better lead, you know, so I don't have to worry as much, but I mean, it is what it is as long as we get the job done. Yeah. It's definitely been fun to watch you guys, but watching your games and thinking about them as a player, I definitely do not miss being in those moments of pressure, but Grant came up big for you guys, especially in those last two games of the season to make a bowl game, but talking about the run game, that's been a big part of y'all's offense too, but I think y'all's offensive line, his ability to get downhill and make some things happen and make some some holes for your running backs has been huge this season, but it's probably not as fun when you face your own defense. You think of guys like Jason Henderson and Wayne Matthews and Denzel Lowry. Could you maybe talk about what it's like as a front five going up against your front seven and what they present week in and week out in practice and just watching them kind of put it on the field as well on Saturdays? Yeah, it's it's great having those guys for practice because like you said, like if if we're practicing against that every single day, we're only going to get better. And um, playing like guys against Jason and Denzel and Wayne, you see the you see the speed of the game. You see what guys are going to come at you with in the game. So it's great having those guys around. We only make each other better. Like the old saying, "Iron sharpens iron." Is 
completely true. Um, fall camp was an absolute bash out there every single day, just going at it with each other. But at the end of the day, it, it made everybody better. Um, I know Jason came up to me after multiple practices and was like, y'all, y'all did great today. And like, we'd go back and forth, like everybody would get everybody. So it, it was, it's just been great all season having those guys and they compete at a high level every single play. So it, it's been great. I got to know who's your least favorite guy to run block against. Like when you draw that assignment, you kind of are just like, this isn't any fun on our team or on, on your team, on your team. Uh, I would have to say probably Denzel Lowry. Um, he's strong, and if if you're not in the correct positioning or you don't have the right technique, he'll make you pay for it. That's for sure. And he's and he's got enough speed to to get by you too. So you definitely got to be on on all all your all your toes and all your, everything you got. Well, he certainly has has done the same to your opponents this year. Xavier, we'll end with this. You're facing a, a good Western Kentucky team in this bowl game. They've been. Really tough in bowl season, particularly against Sunbelt schools. Caden can tell you all about that. Uh, what are your team's biggest keys to walking away with a win in this game? Uh, I'd say our biggest keys are just trusting ourselves and what we've put into this season. Um, I think that goes into any game that you go into. If you trust your scheme, you trust yourself, and you play with conviction like Coach Ronnie's preached all year, then uh, good things will happen. I think another key is just uh, believing uh, just a belief. Um, like when I first got here, my first season, we were one in 11, which I mean, we were in Conference USA then playing Western Kentucky. So we were one in 11 then. And now if we could finish seven and six, that's the biggest thing is just having the belief. Um, and I'd say the last key is just uh, just having good leadership, you know, um, like guys like we're going to go to the bowl site. Some guys haven't experienced this before. If uh, our leaders can step up and keep everybody focused on on the prize, you know, and winning this last game. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, so I'm excited for it. We're playing a great team. We have a great team. So I can't wait to go down there and battle. We can't take, we can't wait to watch you and you in an old dominion team get after it, Xavier, but we have to know from my experience and on the podcast and off the podcast, we know that the offensive linemen usually know the best eats in the town, the best places to go to eat. I know that's a high priority for you guys. Could you maybe tell me and Noah, if we're ever in Norfolk, where should we eat? Where are the offensive linemen and yourself eating at Old Dominion? Where's the best bite? Oh, definitely. Uh, fish and pig's a good one. It's uh, It's got some catfish, stuff like that, and a lot of pork, like cold pork stuff. That's a great one. And then Dirty Buffalo is a good one. It's always a go-to spot. You got good wings. And if you want pizza or uh, Italian food, you go to Del Vex, and it's right next to the stadium. It's open until 2 a.m., so you can't complain about that. Well, I definitely appreciate the uh, restaurant recommendations, and when we make it up to uh, Norfolk next year, we'll have to uh, go out and grab a bite to eat together. But, Xavier, you've lived up to the lofty bar of offensive linemen on this program. Appreciate you coming on, and certainly wish you and your teammates best of luck as you guys get set for this famous Toastery Bowl. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Okay, and that was fun talking to another offensive lineman on the Frary and Smith podcast, just the second offensive lineman that we've ever had on the show, joining Troy's Austin Stidham from season one of this show. But, Kane, I thought it was interesting as we talked to him. I asked him that question about, did you use some of the preseason expectations or the lack thereof as motivation this year? The answer was yes, and I can understand why. Definitely. I think when you talk about just the general 
kind of phrases we hear about blocking out the noise, staying focused and all that stuff. At the end of the day, when it comes down to these student athletes and just being a former student athlete, you're going to hear about that. You're going to know about the public perception of you. Everyone's on their phone. Everyone sees what the noise and chatter is and the expectations are as far as the program goes. It's more about how public or private you are about taking care of your business. And I think this old Dominion team knew what the story was written about them heading into the season. And they proved a lot of people wrong, especially I think team for team specifically, every team that stepped up and had to face this Old Dominion team, knew they got their best shot, and they knew that they were a team that was capable of beating anyone anyone in the conference anywhere at any time. So I think great for them to use that as motivation this year. Interesting to see how they use it next year now that people are maybe going to anticipate their standard and how they're going to be coming. But just a phenomenal year for Old Dominion, highlighted by them exceeding expectations, even our own. Yeah, certainly proved a lot of people wrong, including us. When we looked at this roster in the preseason, a lot of new faces, new offensive system. It was hard to say that they were a lock to go to a bowl game. Good on them for making it happen. Let's talk about that bowl game, Caden. Now the famous Toastery Bowl, Old Dominion coming in 6-6. Six and six. They will face a Western Kentucky team that was 7-5 and five in Conference USA this year. This game, the Old Bahamas Bowl, it will be played, though, in Charlotte this year. Some renovations down in the Bahamas. It'll be played at Jerry Richardson Stadium, which is the home of the Charlotte 49ers on December 18th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 p.m. Central on ESPN. First bowl appearance for Old Dominion since 2021. But, Caden, this is going to be a tough matchup. They are facing a Western Kentucky side that they do not have a lot of great history against. One and six all-time versus Western Kentucky back when these two were members of Conference USA. They lost the last meeting, 43-20, to in the last meeting in 2021. And their last win against Western Kentucky, the only win in this series, came in 2018 on the road. But, Kate, in this Old Dominion team, we briefly talked about it a moment ago. They accomplished something special this year. They were a three-and-a-half to four-win team, according to Vegas in the preseason, picked last in the Sun Belt East. They beat App State. They took JMU to the wire. We heard Xavier talk about how they used that as motivation. Put into perspective what making a bowl game means for this program. It's huge for this program, and I think it really is a testament to their players and their coaching staff. You have to give credit to them for what they were able to do this season with some changes, looking at the offensive coordinator spot and just losing a lot of players as well. We talked about heading into the season. When you lose your leading passer, your leading running back, and your leading pass catcher from the season before, it's just hard and unrealistic to expect to meet or get better at an offensive from an offensive standpoint. And this team has been able to grow throughout the season. We saw them early on trying to figure out their ways of winning and how they were going to get the job done and just watching them grow throughout the year and be able to figure things out schematically and figure out their recipe to winning games was amazing to watch. And I think that aside, though, when you look at the intangibles we saw from this team and their ability to be fearless and stand toe-to-toe with anyone they played, whether it was playing Wake Forest and only losing by a couple points, playing James Madison and standing toe-to-toe with them down the wire, every single team in the conference, they gave a run for their money. They didn't get blown out ever this season when you look at their games other than that first game against Virginia Tech, you can argue. But this is a team that is very competitive, and I think that's what I'm most proud of as far as them making a bowl game, just their ability to compete. Even when schematically things weren't working out for them, they started to figure that part out, and that's when you saw them go on some of their two-game winning streaks. We saw them do twice this season, and I think just going forward, it's it's awesome to now set this standard and precedent that, hey, this might be our first year kind of figuring things out as a new offense and a defensive core that has some experience. But going forward now, I think the standard is just going to go up as far as their expectations next season to make a bowl game and make even more of a statement coming off of hopefully a bowl win for them in this matchup. Yeah, I would 
definitely agree with you, Caden, there. I think this is an Old Dominion team that if they can keep some of these pieces together, keep a Jason Henderson, this is a team that could make some noise in that Sunbelt East that might be a little bit more wide open next year than I think people were anticipating. Caden, when you talk about this game, it's a sneaky good quarterback matchup, in my opinion. You've got Grant Wilson, who he's thrown for over 2,000 yards this year. He's been responsible for 18 total touchdowns. Nothing too flashy, but he's played some great football down the stretch. He's facing Austin Reed, who is one of the premier quarterbacks at this G5 level. He was last year's New Orleans Bowl MVP. You remember him shredding South Alabama in that game. Two seasons for the Hilltoppers. He's thrown for 8,000 yards, 71 total touchdowns. Western Kentucky, in my opinion, has the advantage in this quarterback matchup, but Wilson has shown the ability to play well in big games all year long, Caden. Yeah, definitely a great, interesting quarterback matchup with two contrasting styles. I think when you look at Grant Wilson this season, we've talked about a lot of players growing in front of our eyes, and he's a prime example. This is a guy who got benched at certain points early in the season because he was turning the ball over too much. But then slowly but surely, you watched him start to get his rhythm. You start seeing him put together games where he's not throwing any interceptions, highlighted by that three-touchdown performance in the loss to Coastal Carolina and just moving forward, playing extremely well, especially in the fourth quarter and down the stretch. I really liked what I saw from him as far as his understanding of the, the deep route concepts and hitting his receivers. Also love his mobility that he's put on display a couple times. People forget that he really ran it up against Louisiana early in the season against Virginia Tech as well, showing off some of that mobility. And I think that'll definitely come in handy in this matchup. And just excited to watch him if it's a close game. Just have a good feeling about Grant Wilson heading into the third and fourth quarters just from what you've seen from him this year. I think he oozes with confidence and that's contagious to his team. And I think on the flip side with Austin Reed, the biggest key with him is just being disruptive. I think when you look at historically what he's been able to do in this Western Kentucky team, not only did App State into um, South Alabama the past two seasons as an entire offense in a bowl game, but just in general, it's it all starts with being able to generate pressure on the quarterback. This is an Old Dominion team who ranked last in the conference in sacks this year with 15. I'm very concerned about as far as their ability to get to Austin Reed. And I think if he's back there, he's able to pat the football or almost play seven on seven and not have a pass rush. That's when you see big explosive plays. That's when you see receivers getting open. And that's when you see guys in the secondary having to cover a lot longer than they want to. And when you're doing that against a team like Western Kentucky, it is not fun. Trust me. I'm telling you from experience. So a very interesting quarterback matchup. When you look at these two guys, I think it's going to be almost a little bit easier for Grant Wilson to kind of be able to operate and navigate just given he's going to be able to lean on his run game and he's going to be able to lean on his mobility versus Austin Reed. You got to get to him or else he's going to be a dangerous man who's going to be able to distribute it down the field intermediate and get all the things done you'd want in a quarterback and a pocket passer. Well, and Caden, like I said, we have seen Grant Wilson make some huge plays down the stretch. I think back to that game uh, against Georgia State where he made a big play. He did some similar things against Georgia Southern to help propel this program into a bowl game, I certainly think he could play well on this stage. Kanan, you briefly talked about it, and for me, the matchup to watch in this game, it has to be the holistic Old Dominion defense versus this passing attack for Western Kentucky. This Western Kentucky team has given teams nightmares for years. They're averaging 51.5 points per game in their last two bowl games. Kaden, you already said it, so I won't mention the fact that one of those high-scoring games was against a team that you were on, but they're scoring 30 points per game this year. That's actually down seven points per game from last year. But Old Dominion was seventh in the Sun Belt in receiving yards against this year, seventh in total yards against. This is a tall task. And from someone who's been there, Caden, what are the keys playing this defense or this offense? 
Yeah, I mentioned it before. The biggest key is going to be able to generate pressure. If you have Austin Reed back there having all the time in the world to hit his various targets that he's very comfortable throwing the ball with, it's going to be a long day. So we're going to have to see this Old Dominion team generate some pressure like they never have before. This is a unit that has been great this season, very improved. I thought last year they were good, but didn't get as much help from their offense. This season, you see them get a little bit more help from their offense. And as a result, they rank fifth in the conference in scoring defense, holding teams to just 26 points per game. And I think when you look from a secondary standpoint, they're also one of the top half teams as far as being able to limit some some teams and what they were able to do in the passing game. This is a completely different animal when they're facing this Western Kentucky team. This is a very downhill defense. We talked about in the past them having various guys who rank at the top of the conference in tackles. You think of a guy like Jason Henderson, who's obviously leading the nation in tackles. But when you have Wayne Matthews and Terry Jones also in the top five in the conference in tackles, these guys that are downhill players that are going to have to play a little bit more coverage and get out of their comfort zone and just be complimentary in the passing game. I think when you look at pass defense, specifically zone defenses, you have to do a great job of all being on the string, all covering space and making those windows and those decisions as hard as you can for an Austin Reed. So it's definitely going to take the full attention and focus of this defense to step up to the plate. And ultimately, the secondary is just going to have to play great coverage. You have a guy like Malachi Corley, who's one of the best wide receivers in the country with 950 yards this year and 11 touchdowns. He's going to try to get to 1,000 in this game. They have two other guys that are over 400 yards in this season that can score touchdowns in their own right. There's a ton of guys, if you look at who scored touchdowns receiving this year, there's almost 15 guys on this team who can get it done and get the ball in the end zone. So Odie is going to have to have all their bases covered and kind of have to change some of their philosophy as far as being downhill versus playing some defense. But I'm confident they have the personnel to get it done. It's just a matter of can they execute on that ball snap because I know it's a lot different of an animal facing this high-powered offensive attack from watching it on film and watching it in practice versus actually getting up close and personal. Yeah, Kane, I think that's some great perspective. Again, you can have the game plan, but can you execute it between the white lines? I think it has been challenging for teams against Western Kentucky to do that in bowl season over the last couple of years. Well, Caden, time to name some X-Factor players. I know you've got an offensive player in mind for Old Dominion heading into this game. Yeah, I'm going to go with the running back in this one, Obi Sani. We've kind of talked about this team's formula and equation as far as how they've been able to win games, and all of it is predicated on having that run game. They've been using a lot of backs this season. We've talked about the rotation they've had with Keyshawn Wicks and Kadarius Calloway. Those are two guys who were banged up in the last game, were injured, and we saw Obi Sani step up and be the leading rusher for that win against App State. He was also the leading rusher against Coastal Carolina, too, and I think looking at the scheme of this offense and them hopefully wanting to control this game as far as when they get the ball on offense. One of their best weapons is going to be keeping it away from Western Kentucky. And I believe if they have those light boxes with their scheme, we'll see a lot of OB getting in between the tackles, getting five yards falling forward and him being a big part of this game plan. So give me Obi Sani, Old Dominion's running back as the leading rusher in this game and really the driving force and X factor of this offense following his strong performance against Georgia State. Kane, I think that's a great pick because you don't know what you're going to get from Kadarius Callaway. You don't know Keyshawn Wicks. You don't even know if you're going to have either of those guys in the game. I think Obi Sani stepped up late in the season and has a chance to make an impact here in the bowl game. For me, defensively, and I think that's where this game gets decided, I was taking Wayne Matthews. Jason Anderson obviously has gotten a, a ton of press, and rightfully so with the last couple of seasons that he's had. But Matthews quietly put together one of the best linebacker seasons in the Sun Belt this year. He's got 121 tackles, eight and a half TFLs. He has two and a half sacks and had a career high 16 tackles in the regular season finale against Georgia State. Kaden, against this stout offense that Western Kentucky has, they're going to need him to play well. I think he picks up his eighth 10 plus tackle game of the season in this one. Well, that will do it for our preview of the famous Toastery Bowl between Old Dominion 
in Western Kentucky. Again, that game taking place in Charlotte on December 18th at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Hey, everyone, we're interrupting today's show to tell you about our recently released Prairie and Smith podcast newsletter. Subscribers will receive weekly emails when new episodes release, as well as information about the top Sunbelt football storylines that week. You can subscribe today using the link in the show notes of this episode or by clicking the link in our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter bios. It's the best way to keep up with the Sunbelt football and the Prairie and Smith podcast. Now let's get back to the rest of today's episode. Moving on, Kate, into a bowl game that takes place the next day, and that's the Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl featuring 6-6 six and six Marshall facing a UTSA team that comes in 8-4 and four out of the American Athletic Conference. This game played in Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas on December 19th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on ESPN. Kate and Marshall making their seventh consecutive bowl appearance Although just three and three in their previous six bowl games, just one and one under Charles Huff since he took over. They did win last year. First trip to the state of Texas since 2021 when they faced North Texas as members of Conference USA. And all but one of Marshall's last bowl appearances have been decided by at least two scores. The exception was that 2020 Camellia Bowl loss to Buffalo. We've got to start, Caden, in my opinion, by talking about the disappointment that this season was in many ways for Marshall. Many, us included, had them as a trendy conference championship contender this year. That never materialized. They finished 6-6 and and have made some major changes to the coaching staff, including firing the offensive coordinator and others. Caden, in your opinion, what went wrong for Marshall this year? Yeah, no, I think Marshall kind of had us fooled from the beginning of the season moving forward. This is obviously a team I picked to be in the conference championship game. And early in the season, when they had that close win over Albany, they had a close win over East Carolina that they kind of made the score not look as close by pulling away late and then following that with a close win over Virginia Tech and Old Dominion. That 4-0 stretch during the season, I think Marshall was trying to tell us what some of their issues could be both offensively and defensively this year. And then throughout the season, once we saw them go on that just bizarre losing streak when they lost not four but five games in a row, I think it just shows you that not everything is is as planned and not everything is as promised when you look at this conference and the competition and what your equation is for winning. We've talked about in the past, this team. I thought going into the season was going to be able to really lean on their run game and really lean on their defense to be there for them. And I think that was a huge part of what their success would look like. And when both of those things don't work out, all of a sudden you're putting a lot of pressure on your quarterback. You're putting a lot of pressure on your skill players. And those are just players, quite frankly, in Marshall that haven't been the biggest impact players as far as we see is this team winning games. Anytime you close your eyes, and think about the Notre Dame when they were able to pull off or some of their big wins in the conference last year. It was highlighted by Rasheen Ali running the ball extremely well. Camp Fancher even using his legs too in this defense playing stout. And we just did not see that throughout this season. When they started that losing stretch, you see this team giving up 48 points to NC State, 41 points to Georgia State, 34 points to Coastal Carolina. And then on the flip side, you're seeing Rasheen Ali not having his strongest performance, having just 52 yards in some games, 63 yards in, the, in those two games I just mentioned too. I think ultimately this team had an identity crisis once their strengths turned into their weaknesses really fast. They were scrambling and they just could not figure it out in a very competitive Sunbelt conference. So definitely think this is going to be an interesting game given some of their turnover at the coaching spots. And it will definitely be a very interesting offseason as a whole for this team as they kind of try to figure out how to get back to those winning ways. Yeah, it will be fascinating to say the least what players stay, what players go, the new hires on the coaching staff, how do they play out and, and certainly more to still be hired. But 
Kaden, let's talk quarterbacks because Frank Harris is the starting quarterback for UTSA and fans of this show are familiar with his work. We talked about him a lot last year when Troy played UTSA in that Cure Bowl victory. Uh, he's thrown for nearly 12,000 yards in his career. He's ran for 2,100 more. He's responsible for 120 career touchdowns. But I want to focus on Marshall here, Kaden, because we saw the news about Cam Fancher entering the transfer portal. Coach Huff made some, what I'll just say, were some explosive comments, in my opinion. He talked about Cam's reasoning for leaving, being the lack of NIL. He said the fan base hated him. He was miserable. Those were some strong words, in my opinion, from Coach Huff. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this situation and, and Coach Huff's comments uh, about why Cam Fancher left. Yeah, definitely an interesting one, and I love Coach Huff from the jump just for his honesty that he's been able to show all season and all through his coaching tenure at Marshall, even from our conversations on media days talking to him. I remember him being brutally honest about his team heading into fall camp and some of his players, and I think when it comes to this situation, that brutal honesty just hits a little bit different when you're not coming off of a winning season and things aren't going your way. So I think as far as Coach Huff goes, this is energy he's had all the time, but him giving this same energy in these circumstances shows consistency on his part and definitely raises some eyebrows given the situation. I think when you look at Cam in this season, we had high expectations for him growing as a player, growing as a passer and being able to elevate this team. And it just wasn't the case from a lot of the reasons I mentioned before, even if Cam Fancher took his game to another level this offseason, to be able to overcome your defense not showing up for you and your run game not showing up for you when it's been something that's been showing up for this team for years upon years upon years now just puts him in a tough spot. And I think the big stinger was that he did have some of those boo birds you heard at the James Madison game and Owen Porter had to go out and defend him. I think between that and the comments Coach Huff made really makes me interested and intriguing just to see how this offseason and next season goes for Marshall and this fan base, I think taking some of those similar lumps we saw with the App State fan base last year. When you have championship expectations and you finish the year six and six, you're going to hear it from your fan base. They're going to be vocal about it. So I kind of appreciate Coach Huff being brutally honest about Cam's feelings of why he transferred, putting some of that not really onus on the fan base, but letting them know, hey, this is a factor. Maybe looking forward, we should kind of look at how we speak and how we respect and how we kind of view our our players as a fan base. And I think just the stinger is that after Cam got benched those last couple of games, he comes in in this last game of the season as a starter against Arkansas State and puts together one of his strongest performances of the season, throwing for three touchdowns, running for two touchdowns, rushing for 100 yards in that game and elevating them to that win where he had 35 points unassisted pretty much by himself. And now this is a guy that's out of the transfer port. I really would have loved, even if he doesn't grow as a passer, just seeing what he was able to do in that game, what we've seen in moments from him. I think he was a guy where if you design the offense around him and they had an opportunity this offseason, I think, to design an offense around him and make it as comfortable and best for him as possible. If your defense isn't going to be there for you, if your running game's not going to be there for you, for him to succeed, obviously you're not going to see that now with him going in the transfer portal. So just an interesting situation overall. I think this Marshall team is in an interesting spot. And I think, like I said it before, going to be super fascinating to see what this offseason looks like. And I think Coach Huff's comments took that to another level as far as the next quarterback that's going to be playing for this team and how this fan base is going to receive them as well. Yeah, certainly a disappointing end to a once promising career for Cam Marshall, at, or sorry, Cam Fancher at Marshall. I know, Caden, you and I were both big fans of him, and we certainly wish him well as he pursues his next collegiate opportunity. But let's talk matchup to watch in this game. And for me, it's Marshall's passing game versus the UTSA passing defense. And that's kind of a continuation off of the point that we were just talking about. This is a UTSA team that brings a top half of the league passing offense into this game. They've allowed just over 225 yards per game during the regular season. 
They're more than likely facing Cole Pennington. Haven't seen that confirmed, but that that's the assumption. He's thrown six interceptions in three career games, yet to throw a touchdown. But fortunately, UTSA is in the bottom third of the American in interceptions this year. Caden, if Pennington gets the start, how can he be successful? Yeah, I've said it before and I've said it again. The biggest key for Cole Pennington to being successful in this game is having help from his defense and having help from his run game. We've been talking about it all episode and all year for Marshall. And the facts don't lie. When you see Cole have his best game of the year against Georgia Southern when he's able to secure that win. He just threw that one interception on his first turnover of the entire game. It was the best rushing performance we've seen from Marshall in a very long time. It's when Machine Ali ran for 165 yards and three touchdowns. This team as a whole ran for 170 yards. And that's when you see the game be easier for this quarterback in a Marshall position. And that's when you kind of see what you wanted to see all season for them. But then in his other games, when he's throwing zero touchdowns and three interceptions against South Alabama. They weren't able to run the ball well in that game. Same against Coastal Carolina when he got thrown in there late in a position where he was behind. He threw two interceptions in that one and wasn't getting help from his run game. So I think the more help he can get from his run game, the better it's going to be. But I do think when you saw Cam in his last game as the starter, you saw some promising things in the passing game. You're seeing Chuck Montgomery get used in a different way than he's ever been used this season, scoring two touchdowns, really doing a good job of having different motions with him and getting him involved in the offense. You saw over around 10 pass catchers in that game. And that's something you just haven't seen from Marshall all year. And in that game, Cam being able to contribute his own legs to the running game with 100 yards and two scores of his own on the ground definitely helped a lot of that success. And Cole's not going to be able to bring that to the table. But if he's able to get help from his run game and whoever that's calling plays for this offense and the new offensive coordinator spot right now is able to get the receivers in position of success and be able to make things easier for Cole, I think we can see him be successful in this game. But as soon as that run game isn't there and if that defense isn't there and he's having to come from behind, that's when you're going to see some of those interceptions and some of those mistakes you see from a young player. So I think as far as Cole goes, he's going to need help from everyone. He's going to need help from the run game, the defense, and the play caller to set up his wide receivers for a position of success and ultimately him in a position of success. This is a guy that hasn't thrown any touchdowns this year, zero touchdowns and six interceptions. So I think just instilling confidence early in this guy, getting the ball in the end zone is going to be huge for him. Okay, and I think to your point, that's why as we take a look at our X factors for this matchup, I took an offensive guy, and it's running back Rasheen Ali. He's been honestly pretty quiet down the stretch. He had 11 touchdowns through the team's first six games this year, but just three in the final five, and all three of those coming against Georgia Southern. He was held under 100 yards in four of his last five games. Here's why I think he's due for a big game. In the last two years, he's run for 252 yards on 35 carries. That's 7.2 yards per carry and been responsible for four touchdowns in Marshall's last two bowl appearances. Kane, you said it with the uncertainty at quarterback. I'm betting on Ali having a big game because I think Marshall's going to have to lean into that run game if they have any hopes of winning this football game. Definitely no. It's a great call too, considering that Rasheen is historically a great bowl game player. I'll never forget his New Orleans bowl performance against Louisiana when he lit them up, has making great plays, great runs, had the commentators con- comparing him to Reggie Bush, which is always a good thing. So I think that's a solid pick and probably the most important pick of this game and maybe even the most important player in this game for Marshall at just gauging what they're able to do as an offense and as a whole team. But I think on the defensive side of the ball, there's a lot of different guys you can pick. You talk about guys like Sam Burton, Owen Porter, and Tyquez Legs, who've been doing great at generating pressure and them getting in Frank Harris's face and making him uncomfortable will be a huge key. But I think as far as the biggest defensive X factor in this game goes, it has to be Micah Abraham, the cornerback. He quietly had one of the best years of any defensive player in the entire Sun Belt this year that kind of went 
a little bit more on notice just because this team wasn't as good this year. But this guy had 13 pass breakups and three interceptions this season. Just an outstanding corner, the best in the conference, in my opinion, or at least a top three guy. And I think when you look at him specifically lining up across a guy like Josh Cephas, who's one of the best premier wide receivers in the conference, I'm going to have my popcorn ready for this matchup. This is a guy that has 82 catches over a thousand yards and nine touchdowns this season. I think both of these guys will be a lot of good on good tape against each other as they both try to get into their NFL careers. And I think if Mike is ultimately able to shut him down a little bit and make things uncomfortable, it could definitely go a long way for this defense and keep them in this game. So give me Micah Abraham, the cornerback in his last game for Marshall, having an outstanding performance as the X factor for the, for the thundering herd. Definitely a lot of juicy matchups in this game. It will be fun. Again, this game, the Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl taking place on December 19th at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Well, that's going to do it for our famous toastery and Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl previews. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Old Dominion Xavier Black for joining us, as well as to Senior Associate AD Eric Bohannon for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, here's a quick reminder. We're coming back on Friday. We'll be previewing the upcoming Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl featuring the James Madison Dukes making their debut in bowl season. You're going to want to give it a listen. That'll do it for us here at the Ferry and Smith Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, do us a favor. Share this show with one or two of your friends. Help us continue to grow this into the premier destination for Sunbelt football fans. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. Thanks for spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.